2: Welcome to the Soul Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're doing the second interview with Jody Thompson. Hey, Ed. Hey, Ron. Welcome, welcome from lockdown. <laughs>
3: the Great Suppression. The Great Suppression. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm really excited to have Jody on today, so we're just going to dive right in. But Jody Thompson is a world-recognized future workplace expert and change maker, and she's been featured on the covers of Business Week and HR Magazine, too many of the name. And she is the co-creator of the proven management innovation system, the results-only work environment, or better known as ROW. Jody, welcome back to the Soul of Enterprise.
4: Hi, Ron. It's great to be back. I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on across the globe, so I think it's timely we got together again.
2: Yeah, I was looking. You, you, you were on in December of 2014. You were on show 24, so you were one of our earlier guests. I um, wanted to ask you just personally, how, how are you holding up during these interesting times?
4: Well, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's interesting to be sheltered in place, but I don't have an office, right? I, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been working for, from wherever for years. And so I think the hardest thing is just that, you know, having everything shut down and not being able to do some of the things we take for granted every day. That's what's impacted me the most.
2: And, and you traveled quite a bit, didn't you?
4: I did. You know, we were working on a a big um, implementation up in Canada over the past three years and 2000 people coast to coast, really fun, and did a lot of traveling um, over the last two years. But of course, now things are shifting, things are changing, and people are having to look at their businesses differently. They're having to look at, you know, things just falling off the radar, like having, you know, gatherings, having conferences, you know, those kind of things are are gone right now. So I'm staying in place, not doing any traveling right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, (laughs) I mean, I know the three of us travel and I just wonder, it's going to be, it's going to be weird getting back on that plane for the first time, you know?
4: (laughs) Oh, I agree. Everything's going to be weird. Just think about when, you know, people, we get to sort of that point where it can be back in the office again. And people now are used to a new normal. And they're used to, you know, sort of hunkering down and working a different way and not sitting in rush traffic and all of those things that we're used to doing. I mean, what's gonna happen? People are gonna be shocked again. It's gonna be a disruption of a business all over. So sure. I mean, I'm curious to see how that all pans out.
2: So, Jody, let's talk about row. I, you know, I know you were we discussed it last time you were on, but for new listeners, d- define row for people.
4: So Ron, the results-only work environment is a different kind of platform, cultural platform. It's a shift in mindset. So every single person is 100% autonomous. So that's not flexible. Autonomy is self-directed. And they're 100% accountable. And they have to be accountable to measurable results. So what that does in a workplace is it, it changes that relationship between managers and people that do work. So there's no more permission granting. Managers aren't um, letting me work from home or allowing me to come in late or leave early. All of those old-fashioned kind of things around time are gone. Time is that old currency of work, and that is taken away. We don't talk about how many hours we work. We talk about measurable results. So it really changes the language of the workplace as well. People are having conversations that are more clear, more direct. Um, They they know what they need and when they need it. And those are the conversations that drive the business forward, not the conversation of, you know, did Mary leave early again today? That goes away.
2: Right, right. And I don't want to gloss over this. I think this is a really important point. In your bio, you know, it says you're the co-creator of the proven management innovation system. But, you know, innovations in management Have been far and few between. We're still running on a lot of things developed in the 1880s, even up into the 1920s, latest probably 1950. This is a great point that Gary Hamill makes in his book, The Future of Management. Innovation in in actual management ideas hasn't been that great in the last 50 or 70 years. And this is one of them. We always talk about this as a significant management innovation. I think that's an enormous accomplishment. So kudos for that. Thank you because you, you, you've really contributed something here that I think has got legs for a long time.
4: I do too. I think organizations today are starting to realize that you know flexibility is the old game, that it's time to truly reinvent how we think about business. And it's time to, you know, sort of let go of the status quo and move into a whole different way of thinking about how we live our lives every day and how work fits into that. And I think I'm seeing that happening now. I mean, it's going to take decades, but I think the next generation will start pushing it. I feel like what's happening now with COVID, COVID-19 across the globe is going to start pushing that. And hopefully, you know, businesses are going to start realizing that, you know, the focus on time and presence and having that sort of, you know, foundation of in the office nine to five is just completely outdated. So I'm looking forward again to that, us moving out of that and moving into something that really makes sense for today.
2: And, you know, Jody, I first saw you and Callie do a talk at a a conference back in 2008. And of course, you know, you go into the men's room after a talk or at the restroom, and that's where you really get some of the good, interesting feedback. And of course, you know, one of the Comments was, oh, it's interesting in theory, but it would never work in my form, you know? And I'm just curious, how has this been diffusing uh, amongst the, the corporate world since the last time we spoke five and a half years ago?
4: Well, Ron, there's a lot of people still saying it would never work. <laughs> and that's a little frustrating.
2: Uh,
4: but with anything that's just this, this disruptive, and really, like I said, it changes the relationship between managers and people that do work it flips that on its head and so it's difficult for an institution like the corporation to take on something that really upends how they've been thinking about things for for decades and so this is going to take a while and i think today there's more businesses that are you know have been talking about the results only work environment they've been batting it around internally maybe they've tried a few pieces of it but the culture the culture snaps back cultures hang on really really tight and to really get it to overcome inertia there has to be a really um a process that helps the social order move in a different direction it's not easy
2: right no it's not i mean and that's how you know it's a great idea when it kind of scares the hell out of people (laughs)
4: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it really does.
2: <laughs> well, here, here's a comment we got from, a, from one of our listeners, uh, Wendy, Jody. And she said, first, uh, thanks to Jody and Ed and Ron, who opened my mind to so many possibilities, I'm so grateful. And then she said, the question, now that organizations are forced to realize their thinking was flawed regarding the need to be in the office, how do you see the post-COVID-19 landscape changing? Do you anticipate that those organizations who insisted on FaceTime will find justification to go back to their old ways?
4: So that is, that is a great question. And a lot of people are asking that right now. And what I believe is going to happen is when we move, you know, past this pandemic, I think organizations are still going to want people in the office. They're going to ask for people to come back into the office and there's going to be a big, you know, revolt to that because people are going to say why would i do that now? i'm used to working in a different way. i'm more productive. i'm not sitting in rush traffic. all of those things. what's happened right now is with people being at home, they've changed location, but they haven't changed their mindset. so the management mindset is still the same. controlling people's time and controlling people's location is still The status quo. What I'm hoping is that it will um, get more people to consider something entirely different. I think people will start pushing more towards something like the results-only work environment. But it's still going to take a while. I think culture is that strong. And the idea that I control you, and that's the management mindset, I control people instead of controlling just the work and letting people manage themselves. That's a hard shift.
2: It is. You're not just, you're not buying a block of somebody's time. You're buying a a block of work that they can do, a group of results that they can get done.
4: Well, that's exactly true. I mean, I think, you know, the idea of billable hours, I mean, this is right up your alley, right? (laughs) Talking about value-based billing. You know, as long as we have time as a measure of work, it's going to be very difficult to create that idea or to, to put it in the DNA of the culture that I actually work for results. I don't have time as a measure at all. We have to completely move away from that in order for some of these other, you know, um, ideas to work and for businesses to thrive.
2: Right. Well, so much of the, like you talk about in the book and you talked about forever, the whole presenteeism idea and, you know, just, I I need to see you in a cubicle. It's the illusion of control, isn't it, for some of these managers?
4: Oh, it absolutely is. It's very comforting when you have everybody sitting around, and they're all in their cubes, and it looks like they're working. (laughs) And what's happening with people now that are working from home, that like fell away, like they're going crazy, because before, I could at least look like I'm putting an effort. I come in, I come in at a certain time, my manager sees me come in, I run around all day and look busy. I go to a lot of meetings. Some of the work gets done, you know, but it's, it's that illusion. Like you said, Ron, of if we're all together and we look harried and we run in and we run out, it looks like we're working. It looks like there's effort being put in. And I think what's happened with management over the years is that's become a place of comfort and we don't have to get really crystal clear with people about measurable results. Because at least people are doing their time.
2: Especially in the knowledge economy, it's much easier to slack off than, say, if you worked in even an automobile factory. At least the person on the line next to you would know you were not doing your job right.
4: Well, exactly. You (laughs) don't put the screw on and the thing falls apart. You know, people know. But it's interesting. We have actually um, worked with a manufacturing line with results-only work environment. And production increased. The interesting thing about that whole control over people, even in on manufacturing lines, the manager believes and the manager says, I know the best way. And this is how you'll do it. And this is how long your breaks will be. It's very regimented. And people aren't machines. Right. And if we start with the outcome, you know, how many carburetors have to come off the line, whatever that is. And people actually approach their work in a way that makes more sense for everybody, the whole team, better things will happen. I think when we really stand over people and manage people, we're going to slow productivity down, no matter what kind of job you have.
2: Right, right. It's, it's one of my favorite lines of yours. You manage the work, not the people. But Jody, unfortunately, we're up against the break. I knew this would just fly by talking to you, with you. I just love it. But folks, we would like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send, send us an email to at asktsoeatverish.com. We'll post full show notes with our interview with Jody Thompson from com. And now we want to hear from our sponsors.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program, This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com.
0: Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America
2: Business Network.
1: You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
3: Well, V.I. Lenin, the communist leader, said that nothing happens for decades and then decades happen in weeks. And... I think that that's what has happened to uh, many of us. And Jody, welcome to, back to the Soul of Enterprise. I'm happy to, to, to speak with you. I wanted, wanted to, to share with you the story that uh, and transition that Sage has gone through over the past three weeks and just yeah, share that with you, get, maybe get some impressions and use it as a launching point for our conversation. Sounds good. So like many organizations, we had a work-at-home telework policy. And there were some positions where it was absolutely not. There's just no way that you can possibly do this job from home. The, we, w- there's too much confidential information that has to be maintained, including things like credit card information, stuff like that. So very real concerns. I, mean, I don't want to dismiss them. But it was really interesting when this whole thing started to come down. We, we have really made a fantastic transition in two weeks to – all of our colleagues working from home and seems to be going okay. We had a call with the CEO and, and president of Sage North America yesterday. They couldn't be prouder of what, of the work that everybody is doing, especially our IT teams who had to do some incredible yeoman's work in a very short period of time. But isn't it funny that how long are you involved in some engagements, Jody, of people making this transition? And then when it's got to be done, we can get it done in two weeks.
4: Oh, absolutely. That happens all the time. I always like to say things like, you know, if you're um, getting up in the morning to get ready to go somewhere, it might take you an hour and a half. But if your alarm doesn't go off and you only have 15 minutes, you get ready in 15 minutes. And so it's interesting how we think about time. But the other thing that's interesting about what happened with you guys, Ed, is that people are talking about work location a lot. They use it in their language and work. They talk about teleworkers and remote workers, and there's all these labels on people. And people want, what they want is not to work from home. What they want is the choice every day to say, where's the most efficient and effective place for me to work right now? And so the idea that before people couldn't work from home for whatever reason, and all of a sudden they can, is again, control. I can say, well, this job shouldn't work from home, or you've only been here for you know 30 days, so you can't work from home. That's all still controlling people. Instead of, let's get really clear about the measurable expectations of your position. And then you're an adult, you'll choose the best way to do that. You know, there's, there's things that you talk about, like there's um, things that have to be locked down, or there's things that are confidential information. Those are all real challenges that people have. But I think if we start there and we make those processes and things make sense for today, lock down the way that you need to lock it down, IT people have a lot of ways that they do things that, that I don't even know about, but people should choose every day where they are the most efficient and effective. If people can start doing that and managers can manage the work, then that's the shift that's going to jettison into a future that's beyond what we could even imagine.
3: Yeah, and, and, and I could not agree more. I, I probably stole this line from you, but the, the way that I have described row to people when it comes up is, is, is you define the, the position by the results that you need to achieve. And then if you can do that at home in an office in a, at a Starbucks or following what's left of the grateful Dead around, we really don't care as, as long as that, as long as you make it happen. And the the real challenge, of course, and this is something that, that Ron and I have both experienced when, when uh, we, we made the position before we met you, well, what if we, what if we take away timesheets and what would you then do? And one of the reactions that we often got from leaders in the organization is, oh my God, we would actually have to be clear about what we want. Yes. We, would, we would actually have to have clarity around the things that we expected from people. Oh, right. how terrible that would be.
4: And you know, that's the interesting thing because when I go into organizations and I say, if I went around to all of your people right now and I asked them the question, do you know the measurable results of your position, what you need to deliver? What is the measurable result? And they just look at me and go, no, people don't know that. And that's the problem. Again, as long as we have time as a factor and location in our vocabulary, in our brains, we're never going to get clear. We just aren't because we don't have to. Because at least people look like they're working and they're following the rules. So, you know, getting to the idea that people can be held accountable to results and be autonomous at the same time, that, that works, right? But it's not easy. Because it really does up and how we feel about what we need to control. We need to be controlling the results and the work, not the people.
3: No, nowhere has this been made more apparent to me. Like I said, a big, big fan of, of yours and Callie's for, for years. But with uh, my, my 14-year-old son, who has now moved into, and I, I love this phrase, this is the, the remote learning remote learning.
4: <laughs> that's, oh no. That's, 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 <laughs> Why can't, that's can't a, it just be learning? Just learning, that's, No, it's right? got to be
3: remote learning. It's yeah. got to be remote learning. So you, <laughs> we're, we're already attaching the label. And, right. and he, he gets his assignments now. He's in eighth grade and he gets most of his assignments on Monday. That's how the teachers have been, been doing it. And he's in general been finished up by say noon on Wednesday and then has the rest of Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And it's, it's, here's the challenge he's laying down As well, I told you this was a colossal waste of time, Dad. I, t- I told you this. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I can I can get this done at my pace and be done for the week on Wednesday. Well, I, I don't understand. So it, it is going to be interesting from his perspective going, going back. And I think that that is an experience that companies are going to see as well. The, what, what if, God forbid, people actually perform better during this time period. What are we well, gonna do then?
4: <laughs> well, and that's so interesting too, because if people do better, if they come become more efficient and more effective, then the, the concern is then, then you're gonna give me more work, right, so if I come in the office every day or just like school, if I'm at school and I'm doing the appropriate number of hours, even though it's not, I could do it quicker or I could do it more effectively or efficiently, That's not how we're set up to think. We have to do time. We have to fill time. And people talk to me about that all the time. They say, well, you know, this role thing sounds really great, but wonder if people get their work done in 20 hours. Well, wonder if they do, right? (laughs) So what? That would be awesome, right? Who cares? And they're like, well, wait a minute, right? There's always more work. Well, if you get clear about what the real work is, then how fast people do it, as long as they meet deadlines, whatever that looks like, meet the expectation of the position. Why are we so focused on them not filling that time up till five o'clock on Friday? Mm-hmm. It's so outdated.
3: You know, I, I just I read something last week that I want to share with you. In fact, Ron and I have decided that we're going to do a future show on this. But uh, it's this thing, it's called Price's Law. It has nothing to do with price, like pricing that Ron and I talk about. The, it was named after a guy named Price. And what it says is that in any system, the square root of the number of people do half the work. So, for example, in, in hockey, professional hockey, if you take the, the square root of the number of players in the NHL, that number of, of people score 50% or more of the goals in the game. Wow. And the same, this, this pattern is repeated over and over again with, with composers. Um, it, it's just, it's just an absolute, really interesting phenomenon. It's, it's actually a flip on Pareto principle, right? The 80, uh, 20 rule. Uh, but if you, when you think about that, that if, in any organization, you take the square root of the number of people and that, that percent, they do 50% of the work and wouldn't row, I think, be a way to potentially change prices? Law to maybe smooth that out a little bit because if we're focused on the on getting the work done, it's not about the the individual people; it's about working together as an organization to achieve those results.
4: That's that's absolutely correct, and it's it's people work together and collaborate more effectively when they're all clear about the goal and where they're going. I think today people are so confused about each individually. They're confused about what their measurable results are, but as a team, they don't know how they connect up to the bigger outcome of the organization. So that idea that Dan Pink talks about autonomy, mastery, and purpose, people aren't attached to the necessarily to the purpose and they don't have the mastery for the position. They don't necessarily understand it. And they definitely don't have autonomy. So, People aren't motivated and the amount of work, if we talk about the amount of work that could be happening, it's so much bigger than we can imagine because like, you know, Ron was saying in the earlier section, that whole idea of presenteeism, you know, filling time and just being there is so ingrained in us that even if a lot of work doesn't get done, it's okay, at least we showed up. So yep. I think you know some of the things you're talking about are absolutely spot on.
3: Yeah. Go go in, and 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 here's the here was the key learning for me. It begins at school.
4: Yes, it, it be, does.
3: It begins at school, right? There's that, that absolutely presenteeism there. Well, wow, we are again up against our next break. I want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to ask TsoE at Of course, the website, the soul of enterprise.com. With uh, show notes and previews to upcoming shows, as well as an archive of all of our previous 286, I believe, shows that are available. But right now, a word from our sponsor.
0: The future of online TV is here. New exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see
3: anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients.
0: Commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com TSOE, subscribe now and be free. You're worth it.
2: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: Tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
2: Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here doing our second interview with Jody Thompson of the Results Only Work Environment. And Jody, I've been dying to ask you this question because I, I read the book by Eric Schmidt. Um, I forget the title, something like How Google Works or something like that. And I've also read this about Apple, Pixar, and some other you know high-tech companies. They actually want people to be present because they think those serendipitous encounters lead to more innovation. And even though I know we talk about working remotely and you and Ed talked about that, but really row is not just about working remotely wouldn't row work even in a google or apple where you're present but you're still focused on the outcomes
4: well absolutely i think some of the organizations that are putting together i call them compounds right corporate compounds right where they they make it feel like you should want to be here You should just want to be here, right? We've got all this great stuff for you, all these great amenities. And oh, by the way, we walk around talking about how if we're all together, we're going to be more innovative. We're going to have better ideas. And to me, it feels like it's prison. It's (laughs) prison. Okay. We're telling people where to be. We're telling them how long they need to work. We all have lives. Everybody's different. And in this day and age, to think that people can't have serendipitous connections when we have so many ways to do that is just ludicrous I have serendipitous conversations all the time with people through texting and and jumping on a zoom conversation whatever that looks like that idea that we all have to be kind of hanging around together like we're in you know a fraternity or sorority at college is is outdated again outdated I have looked at companies that have moved into the results-only work environment. They've been trained, and many more ideas come forward because people feel more motivated intrinsically when they're in an environment where they're treated like adults, where they can make a decision every day about where they need to be, and they're not told that like their children. So that idea that we all have to be together in order for great ideas to happen is a load of crap.
2: Okay. And I'm, I'm going to play the devil's advocate, which is really hard because you're preaching to the choir here, but
4: <laughs> this uh, <will> be fun. <laughs> uh,
2: I can hear somebody because we get so many objections too to what we preach. I can hear somebody say, yeah, but Jody, Apple and Google are two of the most successful companies on the planet. And Pixar too. Don't you think they know what they're doing?
4: I think that culture is a really interesting thing so depending on what your work culture is it can help drive strategy forward but also if you have the right strategy and you are um, in a, in the right market and in the right place at the right time there's a lot of things that happen that make you successful i would argue that when we look at companies like google and apple microsoft those organizations they're ama- the, what they've done is amazing right? But how high is high? Like, I think there's a lot going on in organizations down in the midst of the giant hairball where people are disenfranchised. They're unhappy. They're stressed out. There's all sorts of things going on. If we could, if we could remove some of those things, I really think a lot more could happen. I think we're holding ourselves back.
2: Yeah, no, well, no, I know. Gallup does that poll every year, every other year or something where they ask people if they feel connected to their employers or their mission or their strategy, and most of them don't. Most of them aren't connected. They don't even know their their company's strategies. <laughs> so right. yeah, I think what you say has got a lot of truth to it for sure.
4: Yeah, there's um, the disengagement, right? It's an engagement score that Gallup puts out. And the number of people—it's like two-thirds of people are either disengaged or actively disengaged. That's that's huge. That is. Um, lot, that yeah. really really undermines um, spirit and productivity and all the things that we're trying to do to drive engagement. And I gotta tell you, you know, having a pizza party on a Friday isn't going to drive my engagement. It just isn't. <laughs>
2: doing the rock climbing exercise
4: right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no no thank you right (laughs) (laughs) I mean we did that back in the 80s and 90s but it's a whole different day it's just it's the world is changing so quickly and we're still acting like we're back in you know 1952 with you know phones with cords
2: right right Another favorite term of mine that you guys developed, and, and it's really the framework around it, but can you describe for our listeners, especially the ones that may not be as familiar with Roe as, as we think everybody should be, uh, sludge. What is sludge?
4: Oh, sludge is so fun. Sludge is any language that judges how somebody is using their time. So it sounds like this. Boy, I wish I had a kid and I could leave at four o'clock every day. You know, it's, it's, um, it's language that judges people's time. It's, well, Mary's teleworking, so I'm sure she's just doing her laundry. And it's really that idea that we all have to be together eight to five, Monday through Friday in an office. And anything other than that, we judge people about that. You know, you know that when, when Ron says he's working from home, he's really going golfing. So we, we judge people not about the work, but about how they're spending their time. Because what we want to do is we want to snap you back in place. We want to talk about you. We want to talk about you're not working when you're out of the office and how you come in late and how you leave early so that you get snapped back into place and you come in on time and you leave when you should. So that's culture trying to keep itself stable. So sludge is that mechanism of language that keeps the culture from overcoming inertia. It holds us in place. And it's everywhere, by the way, it's yeah, in it every is. business. Everybody talks the same way because we need to keep the culture stable.
2: Right. No, that's great. It's a great term. I love that. Um, the other thing that I've been really curious about because we, you know, we've got AB five out here, the assembly bill five in California that's kind of, you know, clamping down on Uber and Lyft and even freelance journalists. It, what about the regulations? Do you see the regulations uh, loosening up to make Roe more viable, like some of the overtime, and other things?
4: You know, that's interesting. There's regulations, so there's, you know, legal and government, you know, workforce regulations around um, non-exempt workers, for example. It's going to take a long time before that stuff starts to change because we still believe that we have to manage a certain amount of time per week for people. And the fear is that if we don't control that, then managers will overwork people like back in the 30s or 20s. So I think you know, things like overtime are interesting because why do people go into overtime? Well, they go into overtime because then they can make more money. And we might think, well, that's not true. There's a lot of work to do. But what we've learned is that when we're in organizations and their mindset flips to the results only work environment, overtime costs drop significantly. People really don't want overtime, right? What they really want, and I've said this a million times, is control over their time. When they have that, they're happier. I had somebody um, in a session once, and, and this will make your head spin, but I was doing a session and we were talking about time and you know letting go of time and all these different things and overtime and this and that. And somebody raised their hand and said, Well, if I don't work overtime, how am I going to get my new curtains? Now that has nothing to do with the work and nothing to do with the results. Nothing. It's if I can figure out a way to get overtime then at least I'll get my curtains. Now, I'm not. it's not to say people shouldn't get their curtains. I'm not saying that. But when people are feeling controlled and they're not feeling, and they're feeling miserable, then they will say, I need something more to make myself feel better. And in this organization where this, this young lady worked, that's where their overtime dropped 50% in three months. After flipping their mindset.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like your alarm clock example, right? If you get up late, you 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 get ready in 15 minutes. And if you're going right. on vacation, you somehow get all your work done by Thursday or whatever. <laughs> right.
4: Yeah. yeah. What's the motivation? The motivation is I control my life. Not the organization controls my life. You know, manager managers should not be worrying about how to help me with my work-life balance. That's you controlling again, trying to control me and everybody else, and trying to manage all of our work life balance, manage the results, manage the work. The rest of us can figure out all that other stuff. We can figure right. it out ourselves.
2: Yeah, the whole work life balance, flex time. Jeez, then what, <laughs> did yeah. that cause a lot of confusion?
4: Absolutely. And what? think of think of all the iterations of flexibility you could make up—millions of them.
2: Oh, unbelievable.
4: Never-ending policy books.
2: Jody, what has changed in your thinking since we last spoke?
4: Oh, that's a tough one, Ron. Um, I think one of the things that's changed for me is that to help people begin that mindset shift they need to take, we need to slow it down a little bit. And when I say slow it down, I mean people need more time to get used to these kind of ideas that they want to push away. They have to have a little bit more time to let go of deeply held beliefs. Mm -hmm. They want to feel guided. They don't want to feel pushed. And so I think what I've learned is that this whole idea of this social change, first of all, is going to take much longer than I thought. But secondly, um, there needs to be more... Uh, empathy and patience for people to be able to step into the space and feel okay and feel safe in the space.
2: Right. Well, that's that's quite insightful. I I I think I'd agree with that. Trying to get people to you know move away from hourly billing or getting rid of their time sheets, it, it, you do have to kind of create a safe space for it. As much as I hate to use that term. <laughs> um right. Do you still hear the same objections? Have you heard any new objections? Cause you had a whole chapter on yeah, but <laughs> which you know, which was great. Um, any new you, objections?
4: You know, the yeah, buts are still the same. And it, it's <laughs> so, it's like if I do a speaking engagement and, and people ask questions, it's the same questions right. because yeah. they're in, in the work culture, um, that's been around for 60 years. So it's the same mindset. So it's and, the same questions.
2: And you've taken them all down. That's what I love it. I, you you <laughs> shot them all down and yet <laughs> yes. they just keep coming up like termites. Uh, fascinating. Well,
4: they do.
2: Jody, thank you so much. Ed's going to take you home, but I just want to say thanks so much for coming back. It's always a treat to talk to you. And this is such an innovative concept and I wish you all the best in getting firms to adopt it. So thank you very much.
4: Yeah. Thanks for, I love being here, Ron. Thank you so much.
2: All right. Thank you. And, and folks, if you want to contact Ed or myself, send us an email to ask TSOE at barrisage.com We know we have a uh, question from Wendy. So, uh, Wendy, Ed's going to ask that for you, uh, of Jody. And then if you want to go out to patreon.com slash TSOE and rate the show, please do. And now we want to hear from our sponsor Sage.
1: us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com.
1: We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
3: And we're back with Jody Thompson on The Soul of Enterprise. Uh, Jody, uh, there's a question from uh, Wendy again. I'll, I'll ask that in just a second. But one thing I wanted to ask you is with all of this COVID stuff that has happened is, is there a little part of you, just a tiny little part that's kind of sitting back and going, told you so, told you so.
4: Yes, there is a little voice in my head. <laughs> yeah.
3: That sometimes screams like a maniac? <laughs> just,
4: well, yes, like... it does. and It's like I've been trying to tell you nobody's listening, right? It gets frustrating, but I just take a deep breath because what am I going to do, right? It's sometimes right. it takes something like this to, you know, push people Past, past it. I mean, it, it might take something like this. And I've been talking lately about what we need to do is disaster-proof the workforce, mm-hmm. so that when we run into things like this that are disrupting, that could disrupt our business, people can keep moving forward. I have a client um, in Boca Raton who, right, a couple years ago, a hurricane went through the area, and the CEO said to me, "It was so interesting to see how the results-only work environment affected how we." reacted to a disaster like that he said we didn't have one blip people kept going they kept doing what they needed to do i didn't have to think about you know telling people to work from home none of that administrative stuff we just kept focusing on the client and that's that's what we need to do we need to disaster proof the workforce
3: Yep, Great. So, so Wendy follows up and she asks if you could address the notion of workplace specific roles, because she thinks a lot of people get confused that it means that nobody comes to work anymore in a row.
4: Oh, that, that's so true. People think that results only work environment means everybody just disappears and we never see anybody anymore. But the point of the results only work environment is for people to choose the best location every day, based on the work to be most efficient and effective. And what we've learned is that in office environments, people still come in. People come in and have meetings together. People come in and you know use some of the tools in the office. But the difference is they get to make that decision. Nobody's telling them when, nobody's telling them that they have to. They're deciding what that looks like. And because the team becomes more cohesive and stronger in terms of how they communicate, they pick the most efficient, effective ways to do that, whether it's on Zoom or Skype or whatever that looks like. And if they want to come together, they decide that together. They want to physically come together. So, you know, we're social animals and we don't just disappear. And, and when you think about all the stress we're under right now with this, you know, all of us sort of being at home, sheltering in place, people are stressed out because they're used to being around people all the time. We're gonna still do that. We're still gonna be around people. We're still gonna go into the office, but we wanna have control of that. People want control over their time.
3: And what about the the notion though of workplace roles? Because there are certain roles that are accountable that do re- require in a way some, some kind of presence at a particular place at a particular time. Um, for example, if you're working in a retail, you, you've, you, you've gotta be at the retail store at least to some degree, to get your work done?
4: Well, absolutely. But if you focus on the right measure, so don't focus on um, what time I show up, right? Or if I'm tardy, some of those old terms, tardiness, right? So what you focus on instead is you're in charge of the customer. So you look at customer satisfaction and the performance around how the people Um, come into the space retail space is all about making sure the customer satisfaction scores are at a certain level or going up so if I have to open the door and it's my job to unlock and the customers expect the store to open at 10 and it's not open that's not tardy that's a performance issue and that's what you talk about I think we talk so much about things like tardy and you know, where you have to be at a certain time, instead of saying, your role is to make sure our customers get what they need. So let's talk about what that means for you, cashier, what that means for you person that stocks the shelves. What does that mean? And have the conversation around that, not around here's your shift, make sure you're there on time. Anybody can follow a rule but can we all really focus on what matters and then work together to make sure we, we all get there together? That's what the results-only work environment is about. It's not about everybody watching everybody's time.
3: Yeah, I think one of the, the most important takeaways for me with, with regard to this is, is you're, not only it, it, do people need, need to be, um, have, have their, their freedom, uh, the autonomy as you say, but they, they also are, they participate in accountability as well. And, and one of the things that, that I've learned from Peter Block, who's been another one of our guests, is that account, accountability and, and freedom are really the same thing. Right? I, we, choose, we choose to be accountable. It can't be imposed on us. And what I think is important is that, that people who choose to be accountable, uh, and this is on both sides of it, right? On the leadership side and, and, and the worker side that it really does become clear. You've got to produce the results. And if you're not producing the results, we're going to ask you to no longer come in and participate in the payroll program.
4: I love that. We like to say no results, no job. That is the new employee agreement. And you're absolutely right. It's, I, first of all, I need to know what I'm accountable for, right? We need to agree on that and get clear on that together. And then when I know that, then I choose to perform. If I don't perform, just like you said, then maybe I don't get to be in the payroll program. <laughs> so um, the, the, it, the autonomy and the, and the accountability and perfect balance is what that future workplace is going to look like. And we have to let go of permission granting. And we have to start guiding people per, it, with performance and making sure we all understand why we were hired and what the measurable results are of the work that we do
3: sure and I, I think where all of this leads leads down to is trust right it's 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 ultimately about trust and uh, another another maverick who at, wrote a book maverick uh, uh, out of out of Brazil uh, yep. it w- wrote it has he has a great story in, in it Ricardo Semler uh, w- was was talking about how he when he gives out expense cards the American Express he g- just gives them to everybody and says we don't audit them we just trust you If you need something to do your job better, take it, you buy it, whatever you need to do. And people just think he's absolutely nuts. But he says, but it's about trust. If I didn't, they can do millions of dollars of damage in a a customer relationship, but I'm not going to trust them to buy a $500 monitor if they need it.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, he was, he influenced me a lot when we were conceptualizing results only work environment back in 2004. And I read his book as well. And I just thought, this guy, this guy has it right. He has it right. He has the whole autonomy, mastery, and purpose that Dan Pink talks about, right? He has his thinking right. If you believe that people are going to steal things from you, then they will. If that's how you operate to try to tie everybody down for what you fear might happen, then you miss all the opportunity of actually saying, look at all the great things that could happen. If we give people the latitude to do what they need to do, people, for the most part, are going to do the right thing. But the rules that we make are for the one or two people we're afraid of that are going to upset things. So I I just love his attitude and I love the way he thinks about it. And um, that's one of the things Results Only Work Environment is trying to do, push that idea forward that we can trust people and people will do what they say they're going to do. And if they don't, then maybe they don't fit in your organization.
3: Sure. Well, Jody, we've got less than a minute left, and I just want to share with you a story of, of what uh, I'll call anti-sludge. Anti-sludge.
4: Okay, this will be good.
3: Yes, and what, what seems to be happening, and, and, I, and I don't think that this is limited to SAGE, but I can happily report that it is happening with SAGE, that during our our meetings now, which when, when they were in the office, oftentimes we're not video. People would just get on the audio, but we use Microsoft Teams and we all now turn on our cameras. And it, it is now completely and totally acceptable, at least for the first two weeks, to have a cat jump up on your monitor and have, and have your kid there with you as you're going through a meeting. Be respectful and turn off your mic uh, if, you, if something's going on. But it, I, I, and I, when I when I noticed it happening, I, I thought of you, and I thought this is this is sort of anti-sludge. So I share that with you as maybe we can take that as a as a uh, an element of hope.
4: I I think it is. You know, we're all just people.
3: Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks for for being on, Joni Ron. What do we got coming up next week?
2: Next week, Ed, we have Doug Sleader. So I'm sure we're going to talk about blockchain and Bitcoin and COVID nineteen and all sorts of other stuff. So I'm looking forward to that.
3: All right, great. Well, I'll see you in 157 hours.
2: This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. We're going to have Doug Sleater back on think for the third or fourth time uh and in the meantime check us out at the soul of enterprise.com. we'll post full show notes with our interview with jody thompson today and if you want to contact ed or myself send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com thanks for listening folks stay safe and have a great weekend
1: again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional